were going pretty well for the Cleveland Guardians. They were keeping on trying. They reached their highest ground, then they fell. <laughs> that they did, my friend. <laughs> this is Guarding the Corner. Uh, I am James Mastrucci. That was Brian Fraley. And that was my very, very last second attempt to, to make a reference to something. <laughs> A little more somber this time than the last one. Oh, yes. Um, before we get into this, uh, just remember, like, comment, subscribe, rate five stars, share, tell your friends and family if you don't have stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and ThisIsBelieveOne.com. All right. So the Guardians took on the Twins, then the Red Sox, and they're going to be facing the Twins again because apparently this is the Grover Cleveland part of their schedule here. That's a great reference. Who's the one in the middle? Was it Harrison? Was he in between? Was it Cleveland, Harrison, Cleveland or something? Uh, I I am not positive, but I'm going to Google that right now. But, uh, you know, I only, I, I remember, I, I thought of this connection. I was watching The Simpsons the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Grandpa mentioned that he was spanked by Grover Cleveland on two non-consecutive occasions. <laughs> That's brilliant. Su- such a good reference. That is such a good reference. Yeah, it, it, as of now, the only the only president to serve two non-consent consecutive terms. Yeah, Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, Cleveland. That's what it was. There it is. Yeah. Boom. So, yeah. <clears throat> so yes, Grover Cleveland season for the Guardians. Uh, so let's start with the the Twins. Uh, you know, going into this series, I, I mentioned uh, if they swept the Twins. I'd be getting a t-shirt that said, suck it, dead twins owner. They did not sweep them, so <laughs> I am not buying that shirt. At least I'm not, you know, uh, kind of backed into that, but I still might get it anyways, because it's a fun shirt. Um, it would have been a good shirt, but yeah, we could, we could put the uh, production on hold for now until uh, hopefully we sweep them in five. Oh, yeah, sweep them in five. That 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 would be glorious. Listen, they, they sweep it in five. I will get uh, suck it, dead twins owner hat and uh, t-shirt. I might tattoo it if they win in all five of them. And, and socks. I'll get it all yeah. that. I'll get an entire outfit that just says suck it, d- dead twins owner. Um, I love it. But let's start here. They started things off quite well with a nice 6-5 to five win. Okay. Quite, quite the roller coaster. This was the return of Framiel Reyes for the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to me. I predicted a Framiel Reyes home run in this game uh, early did. in the day. You did indeed. I gotta give you credit where credit's due there. <laughs> I'm big on kudos to me right now, because you know what? It's kind of fun. You know, shout yeah. out Max Scherzer, who did that a ton during his final uh, year with the Tigers. Yeah, and kudos to me. He also K'd four times in this game, so <laughs> I-, I predicted he would K at least three times, so kudos to me. Uh, yeah, so that was the, the return of Fran Meal to the lineup, and he came in at a very clutch time and hit that. You know, they were down 5-3 to three at the time. And this was a game-tying two-run homer. It was massive. It couldn't have came at a better moment. Like I mentioned, he had the four strikeouts, which has kind of been the story of his season. He's either going to strike out or he's going to hit the ball a very long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and fortunately for us, in the eighth inning, he came up huge um, with that homer to seven, or to center field and scoring Naylor and tying the ball game. Um, yeah, that was, that was a really big moment. Couldn't have been a better way for, for Fran Mill to reintegrate himself onto the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to uh, quickly mention the home run that was hit in the uh, inning beforehand that apparently a local uh, media personality was uh, against pitching to him or what? Ah, yeah, yeah, the Arise homer. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, a certain Cleveland personality thought that it would have been wise to walk Arise to get to uh, the best hitter on their team, <laughs> Buxton. Uh, so, yeah, not sure where the logic was on that. Um, it's easy to be a uh, Monday morning quarterback after these things happen, but mm-hmm. to to say that it was the wrong move to pitch to a rise is just nonsense. It was the right decision. We just, you know, yeah, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I I, I tweeted like you 100% to Luis Arise every single time. Are you challenge Luis Arise? Okay. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. It, it, this is like one of the 15 times this year he's going to hit a home run, if that. So, like, timing sucked, but, like, percentages are in the favor of you pitch to him, not walk him to face fucking Byron Buxton. Yeah, I mean, this is how these things work. Like, none of the like none of these things are infallible, but, like, pitching to a route is the right move. And mm-hmm. even with 
him homering there, I think he'll do it all over again if he has the opportunity to do it, you know, in the series coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it makes more sense, you know. Byron, we know what Buxton is, and Arise is still, you know, kind of up and coming and a younger player. And, yeah, you, you always want to take your chances against him over mm-hmm. a guy like Buxton. Yeah, he Arise is more of a singles, occasional doubles hitter. Doesn't have a, a, a good OPS by the time the year is over. Uh, good and batting average, but everything else is just kind of middle of the road ish. Yeah. Right. Uh, the only reason his OPS gets any bump is because he routinely hits above 300. So, I mean, yeah, he's a solid batting average guy. Um, but yeah, he's he's not going to slug slug you to death or anything like that. Um, he did have a very good game, and Buxton did go 0 for 4 with three Ks. But you know, like I said, that's baseball. You know, you're not none of these things are foolproof, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely the right decision, and ultimately, it didn't. You know, it didn't cost us anything. We ended up winning the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is one that you live with, and you just kind of shake your head at and say, "Well, you know, you got to just tip your cap. There's not much more you can do in that situation." Yeah, you can pretty much just file this under. That's baseball. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what that is. Um, uh, Reyes wasn't the only player to return to the Guardians lineup uh, this day. Uh, Aaron Savale was activated off the injured list. And he, had, he went he all right. Nice yeah. yeah, he he had a nice day for me. Um, you know, we know what Savali is, where he's not going to be a guy like Bieber that's going to go out there and K 15 guys or anything ridiculous. But mm-hmm. to get five innings out of him and only give up five hits, uh, he did have the two earned runs, but only one walk. That was one thing that I was really looking at this game was, you know, is he going to be able to keep command of the zone? Um, but he did a nice job of that. He only walked the one batter. He did get seven Ks and five innings of work. So, yeah, it was a, a nice return for uh, Aaron Savali. Pretty solid. The way I look at it, he, he hasn't had the, the best start to the season. Uh, moving forward, just pitch better than what your ERA is so that continues to go down. Pitch better than what your whip is so that continues to go down. Just right. ac- accomplish that. He more yeah. than accomplished that in this game because uh, when this game was over, his ERA was still over seven. But... Um, just keep doing that, and you'll see those. Yeah. You'll ha- that will lead to actually having good performances and having those numbers come down and normalize after it, they were inflated very early on in the year. Yeah, and, and one thing you want to do um, when you have a guy like Savali starting, especially coming off of a you know some time off, is you want to get ahead early, and mm-hmm. we did that this game. You know, in the top of the first inning, we scored a run, um, and I think that that really helped Savali. You know, get comfortable and kind of find his find his groove if you will um because he got to play with a little bit of a lead for a while there mm-hmm. uh up at, up until the fourth inning uh the guardians did have the lead uh, or i'm sorry even in the fourth inning that's mm-hmm. when they scored their first runs but um yeah point remains uh that's what you want to do you you want to get ahead of them early and and give him a couple of runs to work with and uh, i was happy to see that from the offense and if they can continue to do that i think that it would lead to you know more success because he's definitely a better pitcher when he has the lead yeah, he, he looked confident. He didn't look afraid or tentative uh, throwing yep. Teddy one. We, we've seen we've seen the latter more than the former this year, and that's been why he's pitched the way he has. But right. he, he was a little bit more aggressive than I think we're used to seeing, uh, right. at least this year. And, uh, you know, having the lead, I guess, can lead to that. I mean, it, it, it's simple. You know, give, a, give them a buffer, and they, they don't have uh, any stress on them. But, you know, sometimes they need to just – pitch like that a little bit more consistently (laughs) yeah i just think that part of this you know guardians identity moving forward is like they they got to get run support for these guys that are in the back end of the rotation Mm -hmm. you you just have to if you want to be a good team that that's just how it is you know very few teams have five starters that are you know one two starter you know caliber players Mm -hmm. so you got to get run support for those guys so yeah, this is a, a blueprint that I think that they should try to, to follow offensively uh, for guys like Savali moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, you know, uh, shout out one more thing. Stephen Kwan went four for six in this game. This was, yeah, this was the Stephen Kwan game. Offensively, he had a really nice day. Um, really thought that, that was that Stephen Kwan was all the way back. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I think it might have been a little... Little overzealous there. Uh, I don't know if he's all the way back or if he's you know reaching his peak or anything this season yet. But um, this game he was on fire. Um, not many, not many bad things to say about his performance with the four hits and six at bats. I mean, he looks a lot more like he looked at the beginning of the season right now. 
Um, what, yes. What I think we're seeing out of Stephen Kwan is he's made the adjustment to the adjustment, okay? And mm-hmm. that is huge. You know, looking at uh, the month of June, uh, so 20 games for Stephen Kwan, he's, he's hitting 362. He's got a 400 OPP. He's got a 406 slug. He actually has an OPS above 800, and that's not something that you really expect from a guy with Kwan's profile. He, he does have a double. He has a triple. He's got five RBIs. He struck out five times, but he's also walked five times. I mean, this is this is what you expect out of Quan. Sure, is it going to dip down? Yeah, okay. But I, I think he's trending towards what he actually is as a hitter uh, compared to that low point where we saw his, his batting average drop about 100 points in the span of a month. Yeah, and the other good thing, too, is like we, we didn't know for sure how Quan would react to being moved into the one spot. Um, and he answered that right away. You know, mm-hmm. he, he showed that he could play that leadoff position. Um, and I think that was huge for his confidence moving forward, too. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he's comfortable there at the top of the order. And I think you said it best. It's He made the adjustment to the adjustment. Because when you're a rookie and you come into the league, like, guys don't have the advantage of having tape on you. And they don't know what your weaknesses are. And uh, once everybody kind of got their first, first view of Stephen Kwan, they adjusted, and we saw him start to struggle after that. And clearly, he he did do something to uh, to to straighten things out offensively. So yeah, the adjustment to the adjustment is what we're seeing, and uh, this is like the next phase for Quan offensively moving forward. It, it, it is, and you know, I'm looking at you know where he hits in the lineup. You know, his his performance. Uh, he is generally productive anywhere that he's been in the lineup, except for the eighth spot. Right, <laughs> the eight it's spot. The eight spot. He's he's just a six for thirty. Um, not good. <clears throat> not good. But you know, you look at some of these other ones. You know, he's five for seventeen out of the nine hole. Uh, he's three for five, batting seventh. Uh, you know, two for two for five, uh, batting sixth. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's yeah. he, he's glorious one for one, batting third. So you know, Jose, watch <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, watch out. No, but that's great to see, especially from a young player, because that, that can really mess with the guy moving him around in the order. And mm-hmm. he's showing that like he's a guy that can be flexible. So as guys struggle and, and we need him to be in other places in the lineup, like he's proven that like, you know, move him up, move him down. He's still gonna keep that same Stephen Kwan approach at the plate, uh, that he's, you know, becoming famous for now. And that's, you know, not striking out often, not swinging and missing often, and having a really good eye and a good approach at the plate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and Quan being productive at the top of the order, paired with Miles Straw now batting ninth, mm-hmm. I, I, is huge because we we saw that in action a couple times. We we, we saw the you know I'm kind of going ahead here, but we we saw how important the 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 Straw Quan combo at nine one can be. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, almost like having a leadoff hitter at the bottom of the order, mm-hmm. having because you know Straw was the leadoff guy for so long, so. Yeah, having some speed on the base paths uh, when we come back up to the, the top of the order is huge. And uh, I think that that could be a winning blueprint moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, anything else on this first Twins game you want to mention before you go on to the second one? Uh, another Class A slam-in-the-door performance. Uh, really good to see. It only took up six pitches to get the save. So I just wanted to mention that briefly and... Yeah, that, it was a good game. This was a good one. Do you know what was a good game too? The next one when the the Guardians were down, you know, ten to seven, in the mm. top of the ninth, and mm. rallied with four runs to take down the Twins. This was an awesome game. Sam Henches gets the win. Uh, it, it was this game had everything, did it not? You know, it, it had us coming from behind. Uh, had the late inning, you know, drama with four runs in the top of the ninth. I mean, it, it just had a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, Guardians get the 11 to 10 win over the Minnesota Twins and secure uh, winning the series and continuing that streak that we were on mm-hmm. uh, of winning series, which was really important. Um, but yeah, this was another great game. There were two moments that I, I thought that the Guardians were destined to lose. What was um, the first one? The butt single, which allowed Giovanni Urshela to score and make it a four-one game. Because mm-hmm. when you when you lose, when you allow a single on a bunt, really right. in the game, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck, really. Yeah. That moment, and in the seventh, when Giovanni Urshela, uh, Giovanni Urshela uh, hit a three-run homer, it made it ten to seven. 
Yeah, that that felt like a dagger to me too. Um, really, really nice to see us respond after that. But yeah, Urshela homering to center, um, Sanchez and Carroll were on base and scored. Uh, it felt felt like the dagger to me. I, I really thought that that was going to be the end of the game for us. So mm-hmm. uh, to have all the action that we had in the top of the ninth was awesome because uh, we needed every bit of it to get the win. Yeah, that 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 top of the ninth, absolutely electric. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was classic ninth inning baseball. You know, it, it, it was. You know, Josh Naylor drives in, drives in uh, Ahmed Rosario. Oscar Gonzalez follows that up with a, a two-run RBI to tie it. Then Owen Miller with the sack fly to drive in Gonzalez. Yeah, it was perfect. Picture perfect. Uh, how you want to generate runs, um, and that that last run ended up being enough to get the win. Uh, Class A came in and shut the door again, which was nice. Um, but yeah, that it was it was huge. It was so exciting that top of the ninth inning, and this young team just continues to show that time and time again that they can come from behind against good teams, and that the game's really never over. Um, if they're within five runs, like they're within striking distance, they can rally. Uh, another thing this team's really good at is doing it with two outs. Like, mm-hmm. it's not I, I don't know if there's a better hitting team in baseball with two outs. Uh, than the Guardians right now. Um, so that's something that we got to see continue as well. Um, but, yeah, can't say enough good things about the offense. 15 hits on the day. Uh, you don't say that very often mm-hmm. uh, with this lineup. So, yeah, it, it, this was an awesome day at the plate. Uh, very good day at the plate. You know, a, a good portion of that came against Sonny Gray, who we mentioned was due for regression. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, very hittable pitcher. Um we knew he was due for a regression. I, I think he came into this game with like a 2.5 ERA. It might have even been a little it, bit. I, I, think, I think it was. I think it was around two. It's 2.5 now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I looked at that wrong. So yeah, he, he came in just pitching way above and beyond what we're used to seeing from him. So this was the regression that was to be expected that we talked about. Um, and he he did. He only lasted four innings, and he gave up the eight hits in the four innings of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was good to see them jump on him and uh, make him work because he was having a really good season up to this point. Yeah, and, and you know, being able to, you know, face him and, and be successful against him was very, very uh, – it went a long way for yeah. for, for uh, <clears throat> their offensive efforts because Gray can be one of those beard guys. When he's off, he's off, but when he's on, you're just constantly pounding balls into the infield and – Grounding out to shortstop or second base. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Yeah, when a guy like him is on, it can be real frustrating as a hitter because you're putting the ball in play, but you just can't get on base. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was huge, especially with you know McKenzie not having his best outing to say the least. Um, you know, because I, I expected that if we were going to win this game, it's going to be you know more than likely due to the pitching matchup, but really mm-hmm. it ended up being due to the offense. Um, but yeah, with McKenzie only given you know. Four and a third innings of work, nine hits in the four and a third innings, and six earned runs. Um, not good. No. Worst outing, worst outing of the year by far for McKenzie. Um, so for the offense to show up was huge. Um, even got two good innings out of Anthony Ghost in relief. Mm-hmm. Um, saw Castro did what we've seen him do time and time again and just kind of make a mess of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, luckily for us, the bats you know, came to play, and uh, it was enough to – compensate for some of the bad outings that we saw from a couple of our pitchers. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I am so tired of Max Kepler being in a Twins uniform. Yeah, it drives me insane. Uh, that dude has just destroyed Cleveland pitching ever since he came up. Yeah, he's one of those guys. He's he's a guardian killer. He's somebody that we circle every time you know that we go to face the Twins and... Um, yeah, just time and time again, he comes up in big moments and, and just absolutely tortures Cleveland pitching. It, it, it's like clockwork. And, you know, it's not like uh, we're going to be playing them for a handful of games over the next week. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just... <clears throat> I, every once in a while you see those trade rumors with Max Kepler, it's like, please, somebody out of the division trade for him. I am so tired of him. I know. And anywhere but in the division, please. Well, luckily, I don't think any team in the division uh, is in the position for Max Kepler at this current moment in time. Uh, so, it doesn't appear to be. 
So Max Kepler, continual thorn in the side. Yeah. So they took the first two games. They had the chance for the sweep. We were within striking distance of the suck it dead twins owner shirt. Okay. We were so close. We were, we were so, so close. we were so close. I thought for sure that they were going to come away with a win. I thought, you know what, here we go. We have a we have an option. We have a chance. We have the bases loaded with nobody out. And we don't score. Uh, yeah, this game was just let down after let down after let down. Um, and it was really disappointing for me because Polisak pitched a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did not expect that from him. Especially with the offensive production we saw from the Twins in the first two games. Um, so, yeah, anytime you have a guy like Polisak that's like, he's given it his all out there. And, you know, six innings of work, he only gave up three hits and one earned run. Um, but we just could not put anything together and it, it, we had chances, you know, we, mm-hmm. we would, we'd start a rally, you know, we'd get a guy on first and move him over to the second and we'd have a guy on third with one out or no outs and we just could not drive him home. Um, and it was just one of those really frustrating days offensively that kind of, kind of felt to me like we weren't going to score a run from the third inning on. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this, this is going to be one of those games. It just feels like it. Yeah, and they even had that chance in the top of the seventh. Oscar Gonzalez gets walked. Fran yep. Reyes doubles. Andres Jimenez hit by a pitch. Bases juiced. You have the opportunity. Side note, this woman had a great time to pinch hit Ernie Clement for literally anybody else, but they didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, that was a questionable decision there. Uh, um, so also, side note, another chance to pinch hit for Luke Maley for literally anybody else. Mm-hmm. One more note, Fran Reyes dogged it on the final 10 feet on the way to home, and if he oh, would have been God. running full go, he would have scored and tied the game. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, that's just a lack of awareness there. Um, he he made the assumption that they were going to turn two, but you, you always have to assume that he's going to have trouble with the transition or, mm-hmm. you know, bobble the ball or, or whatever, and he was not going full speed at all. Um, and he got, you know, they made the great play at home and, uh, that's really what derailed the the entire inning. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, we saw a little bit of a, uh, a Houdini effort there to get out of that inning in the seventh. Um, who was, it was Joe Smith out there, right? Seventh was, uh, I just had it pulled up. Seventh was Joe Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Old, old friend, Joe Smith. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of familiarity uh, between the Guardians and Joe Smith, and uh, man, it looked like we had him. It, it, you know, it, he's got the bases loaded, no outs, and uh, Fran Mill dogs it to home, gets thrown out, and uh, you know that kills the rally that the Guardians had started, and he gets out of the inning. Um, so yeah, great stuff from Joe Smith on the other side of things um to keep the twins uh, ahead and ultimately end up getting the win so that that was a really nice hold from joe smith it, it, it really was i mean you know just like uh when we talked about about sunny gray a couple minutes ago but with, with smith that's why you have a guy like smith on your team because even when he gets a jam like this two pitches and he's out of it yep exactly it, it's such a valuable asset as a reliever to have like to have that short memory and to not let situations like that get to you. Um, he just looks so composed and comfortable out there. Um, and, and that's that's what I think has made him, you know, kind of be a stalwart in the league. Uh, in bullpens, you know, he did it in Houston, did it in Cleveland, now he's doing it in Minnesota. Um, and part of that is because, like, he can come in in those situations and show that he's not going to get rattled and, and he can, you know, do some things to maneuver his way out of it. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, three-pitch sequence here for Smith. Uh, 87-mile-an-hour fastball, followed by an 83-mile-an-hour sinker and an 84-mile-an-hour sinker that resulted in fielder's choice, swinging strike fielder's choice, then he got Miles Straw to line out to right. Yeah, it was just yeah, beautiful work from Smith. Um, and, yeah, I mean, kind of to be expected. We've, we've seen him do that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, super disappointing. Um, because a sweep here would have been absolutely massive, uh, especially, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, considering what would happen in the series against Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, we just didn't have it at the plate today or on this day. And uh, Plesak, even though he had a great outing, um, he ended up getting the loss. 
Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate. But they did take two out of three from the Twins. They exited this series. They left Minnesota with the lead in the division. It was another series when things were things were looking up. Yeah, absolutely. This is what we asked for. You know, we said it on the show. Like, if we can at least get two or three in that first series, that way we can go into that five-game series with a little bit of an edge. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it would have been huge if we could have got that sweep. Um, but, yeah, we were due for one of these games. You know, it's a, it's a young team. We don't have a lot of power in our lineup. Um, every once in a while, you're going to have these efforts where you just cannot produce runs. Um, and that's what happened. And, unfortunately, Plesak, I never thought I'd say this, but Plesak got DeGromed. Oh, that's a sentence I did not expect to hear. Because you never expect Plesak to put himself in a position to get DeGromed. Uh, but he, he did. He looked that good. He, he did, and you know, he did get the ground. And but, like, listen, I mean, they, they took care of business against the division rival. Mm-hmm. So, can't you really. Said it al- you said it already, James. It, mm-hmm. This is a that it's a that's baseball moment. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that, and that's how Zach will look at it too. You know, yeah, he, he's going to be sitting. Obviously, he'll be disappointed he couldn't get the win. But it's like, you know, it's that's baseball. Yeah, it, it, it happens to the best of the best, and that's why the. I mean, that's why the phrase is getting DeGromed because, I mean, the dude was GOAT-level God status pitching uh, before the injuries got to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the the Guardians, they did come back home after this series. Mm-hmm. They took on the Red Sox. They had their biggest crowds at home since opening day, and they got swept. Yeah, we laid a big fat egg in this series. Um. I mean, what can you say, though? I, I, the the Boston Red Sox, we faced them at the wrong time because they look really good right now. Yeah, um, yeah they do look really good. And uh, <clears throat> someone's keeping track of the Red Sox records since Alex Cora shaved his beard. I think they're like 32-12 and 12 or some shit. Oh, good Lord. Keep the face shaved, Alex. It's something insane like like that. Like they're 20 games above 500 after he shaved his beard. You will not see facial hair on that man for the rest of the season. I can guarantee you that because because that's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> that's another that's baseball. It, it uh, is. Anything you do, something like that, you do not want to mess up the juju. Um, so, yeah. But it, like I said, the, the Red Sox came in hot. Um, you look at anybody's power rankings, you know, they're up there in the top of the league right now. They're playing really good baseball. Um but yeah, we, we we ran into them at the wrong time, and we weren't able to. Uh, we're not able to hang. Uh, they proved to be a, a more potent team offensively, um, and we're you know good enough to close the door on us uh, pitching wise. So yeah, it's a really good series from Boston. Um, I don't want to say it's a terrible series for Cleveland. Um, it was going to happen sooner or later. We weren't going to win every series for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Um, and if you're going to get swept, you know, you want it to be against a good team. So, um, yeah, it's not the worst thing that could have happened, but uh, you definitely don't want to lose three against Boston uh, before you head into a five-game series uh, against the Twins. So, You're right. Here's the way that I look at, you know, the way this series played out uh, against the Red Sox is essentially this is something to keep everybody grounded, okay? Yeah. As much as it sucks, sometimes you need a series where you get grounded a little bit, you know. I, I agree. It, it could be good for a team long term. It, it really can. Um, not all losses are the same. Not all wins are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it might sound crazy, but getting swept against a team like Boston uh, can do more for a team than taking two out of three against Boston. You know, mm-hmm. it, if there are lessons learned and you – you, you called this season something earlier that I've, I've really hung on to, and it, it's like a fact-finding mission about a lot of these players mm-hmm. and this, this team in general. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of what this felt like, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the way I, I see it is that they the Guardians know that they're, they're playing well. The, you know, the team, the coaches, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what this tells them is that, hey, we may be playing good, but we still have work to do. So we need to go and improve so the next time we play Boston, we can beat them. Absolutely. That's what this is going to do for them. That, that's, it. that's it right there. And the, the fact-finding that you do in a series like this is 
you realize, like, as, as good a baseball as we were playing, being one of the hottest teams in the league, when you come up uh, against a team like Boston, you know, they can humble you very fast. And uh, I think that this really gives them a measuring stick of, like, okay, we're, we're pretty good, but we're not there yet. Like, it's very clear that they are not at the same level of the Boston Red Sox at this point in the season. Um, and I think that's important to know. And, and by getting swept and getting dominated by them the way that they kind of did, uh, it, it tells this team, like, hey, we got a long way to go. Um, and I think that that's going to pay off in the long run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's a long way to go for, for the players, but uh, I, I hate to say it, uh, but, but Tito as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, listen, I, I appreciate Brian Shaw more than the average person. I like Brian Shaw more than the <laughs> average person. But come on. <laughs> a 2-2 game against the Red Sox? Yeah. I... In the 7th? Questionable, right? Questionable. And uh, it, it played out exactly how a lot of the people who were speculative of the decision said it would play out, and that makes it look even worse. You know, when you've got a bunch of bunch of yahoos on Twitter talking about how, oh, this is a bad decision by Tito, and then it blows up in his face, then it's like, oh, well, there you have it. Um, so, yeah, this did not look good. Um, Shaw has not been good for them in high-leverage situations. And to, to turn to him in a 2-2 two to two game at that point of the game was, uh, yeah, it was a head-scratcher. And, and to be fair to Shaw, in his previous nine and two-thirds innings, he only allowed a run on six hits. Okay. He's been pitching okay. Yeah, he hadn't been terrible. Uh, dating back to his last subpar performance in the middle of May, 11 and two-thirds innings, two runs allowed. But that last subpar performance was five runs and not getting out of an inning. Right, right. So he he's he's prone to these little blow ups, and you know with, with the with the frequency he's usually used at, he hasn't been used uh, as frequently over the over the past week or so. Because uh, right. between June twelfth and the sixteenth, he pitched four times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, but maybe this is just like, okay, maybe this is like his little hiccup for a moment and he'll be fine for a few more games where he has another hiccup moment. But you just you don't want that little hiccup moment to be in a tie game against a team like the Red Sox. Yeah, it, so it, part of that falls on Shaw, part of that falls on Tito for putting him in in that position. But yeah, I, I think you're right. You, you know, he's a guy that's always going to have uh, a game like this once in a while. It, he's been like that through his whole career, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can eat up a lot of innings and stuff, but like he, every once in a while, he's good for a real dud uh, that blows up in your face, and that's what this was. So, yeah, hopefully, you like you said, he, he can return to that form that he was in for the last nine innings and straighten things out. And uh, but I wouldn't anticipate him his next, you know, next high leverage situation like that. I wouldn't expect Tito to have as much faith as he may have had going into this one. You know, for for reference, he only pitched once against the the Twins in the previous series. You right. Know, you know, it, he went five days between appearances. Yeah, I mean that says a lot right there. It, th- that does, and uh, with the I guess compact schedule that they're about to go on, uh, there's a very reality, very very good chance that we see Brian Shaw four times in five games, and maybe even twice in a single day if he's feeling uh, if he's feeling good good to go. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him twice in one day. Um, that, that's what we brought him here to do. You know, we, we brought him here to be an innings guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, offensively, we can, you know, put him in a better position at, at the time of the game when, you know, he comes in to pitch uh, because he, he needs all the help he, he can get against a team like Boston. You know, it's to put him in two to two, it's like, okay, not, not exactly putting him in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, on the other side of the coin, uh, for the Red Sox, there was a pitcher that we saw in all three games. It was Tanner Houck. Mm. And, first of all, he's a really, really good reliever, okay? Number oh, God. He's, yeah, he's special for a reliever. Number one, okay? Number two, there's a reason we saw him three times in across the series, even though, uh, you know, he didn't get a save in two of the games. And it's because mm. uh, the Red Sox are going to Toronto, and... He will not be joining his teammates in Toronto. 
That's right. So they pretty much just, you know, juice the orange here, just got as much out of Hauk as they could to preserve smart. the other arms in their bullpen, which is smart by them. It is very smart by the Red Sox. But this was something that um, I found out, like, the day of, like, uh, that Hauk... Uh, yeah, I would, didn't realize that. ...wouldn't be going uh, to Toronto. And so I'm like, ah, mm. shit, we're going to be getting three games in a row of Hauk, no matter what, no matter the situation, no matter the game. We're seeing this guy, and he's just going to, you know, just, just you know, put the nail in the coffin. The dude, yeah, he's tough. He's real tough, man. It's not a guy that you want to see late in the game. It's not. I mean, the, the, they had their best effort against Tauk in the the first game where they made him throw 21 pitches. The other two appearances he had, he combined for 18 pitches. Good Lord. Yeah, I know game two, he was lights out. He only needs seven pitches to get out of the ninth in game two. Yeah, no hits, no walks. Uh, seven pitches, and he's out of the ninth inning when it's safe. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess this would be a good time to move on to the second game there. Um, yeah, he, he comes in in the ninth inning and slams the door, and uh, Boston gets the 4-2 victory. Yeah, yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah, and this was the game that you, you hope that the Guardians take in this series, uh, having Shane Bieber going up against uh, Winkowski. Is that how you say it? Winkowski? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is the matchup that you want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not enough to, to get it done this particular game. Uh, and offensively, I thought we did okay. It was just another one of those games where we just we couldn't string anything together. You know what I mean? It was like... We, we would be in a position to uh, to answer back and to rally, and it, it would just kind of fall flat. Uh, and that's kind of what the feel of this game was for me. It was just kind of a flat performance from the offense. It, it was very flat. Um, they were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position in this game. So that the will always... The opposite of clutch. The complete opposite of clutch. Uh, the, the Red Sox were 3 for 9, uh, by the way. So, you know, they came through in the clutch. But... Yeah. You know, I, I think what happened, you know, this is just from a, you know, a very uh, non-scientific, broad, uh, I guess, analysis of this game, is that the Guardians got a 2 nothing early with Bieber on the mound. It just seemed like, well, we're good. We're just going to cruise to the finish, one on, finish line in this one. And they That's just... That's 100% what happened. And, That's what it felt like to be, too. And then he gives up the three-run homer, and the game's over. <laughs> yeah, it's a damn shame, because, I mean, Bieber did his job, and... I, when you're playing a team like Boston, it, if you can hold them to four runs, like that, that, that should be the goal. You know what I mean? Like, you to hold Boston to four runs total in the game, that's enough to put your team in a position to win. Uh, so even with Bieber giving up that three-run bomb in the six, like he still pitched great. You know, and, and we just did not did not show up effort-wise for him. And I think a lot of that had to do with what you said, James, is that. They had a two-run lead in the third inning. Uh, Bieber was pitching great, and they kind of felt like they had done everything they needed to do to get the win, um, and that just was not the case. But this was really the first game of the year where, as a as a fan, I, I just didn't feel the energy from the Guardians dugout at all. Like they they just something didn't feel right against. I'll be honest, the last two games against Boston. Uh, I haven't seen the same energy from this young team that we've seen. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like you said, the schedule and cramming in games and everything going on. Um, but that's something that I hope to see them bring back uh, in the Twin Series because they, they didn't look like they were having fun against Boston. And every other team that we've played, they've, they've been looking like they were having a really good time. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, something to keep in mind is they, they are a young team, so they could have just been mentally drained from stacking all those series wins on top of each other. Yeah, and, it's and, exhausting to have that much success. It takes a lot out of a team. And, and you know, Boston comes in, they're also on, you know, their own high, you know, own hot streak. Right. Um, and so... <clears throat> It's just they could have just been mentally drained coming into this series, you know, and they weren't able to, to carry it over. And that, I think that's part of what led to this flat performance on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, I think that the, this was just uh, the, the part of the season came where it finally caught up to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that their youth helped them in a way. 
that like an older team may have struggled a lot with with everything that happened weatherwise and games getting mm-hmm. delayed and pushed back and doubleheaders. I think our youth really served us well in that instance. Um, but eventually it was going to catch up to us. We knew mm-hmm. this was going to happen. And that's what I think happened here is Boston came in hot. Uh, Cleveland was drained and they just didn't have it. They didn't have it effort wise. And, you know, Boston's good enough of a team that uh, could take advantage of that. And, and they did. And they won that second game, um, you know, pretty easily after that three run bomb. Uh, it was smooth sailing for them on the way on out. It, it really was. And to your point, the their their youth is they just. They don't know any better, you know what yeah. I mean, and so you know they don't know any different. So their their inexperience is a is a plus here in that situation. Yeah. It's a gift and a curse, and that's why I know a lot of people were probably shaking their heads when we were saying you know a sweep can be a good thing, but I think for this young team a sweep was a great thing because they hadn't it hadn't happened yet. Like they they hadn't been swept since they were you know on this really hot streak that they've been on mm-hmm. um and now that they know that that's possible like they know like hey if if, if we don't go into the series with the right approach and the right you know intensity and effort level like there's a good chance these guys can railroad us uh so yeah we learned a lot um in, in these games against boston and i think that that's the best best possible scenario for you know making the best out of a a bad series and yeah, and so let's just, I guess, talk about yesterday's debacle, okay? Uh, since we're already kind of led into that. Uh, yeah. It, Aaron Savali accomplished what I asked him to do earlier in this podcast here, and that was pitch better than what your numbers are. Yep. So let's just let's get that out of the way right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did that. However... Nobody else, nobody else, uh, it still wasn't all that great, and nobody yeah. else really did him any favors. Sam Henches allowed two runs late in the game. Uh, Tanner Tully allowed three over the final three innings. So, yeah, uh, not good, not good uh, pitching-wise. This game is, uh, that that bounce-back game we saw from Savali gave me a lot of hope for him. I was like, okay, maybe he's, he's really going to come back and, and be better than he was before the injury. Uh, and then this game was a very much like, ah, okay, this is Aaron Savali. <laughs> um, but yeah, he did what you asked him, and that's, you know, just, just pitch better than what you were doing before, you know, you went down. Uh, get the, the ERA back down to some earthly level, um, you know, not give up a, a crazy amount of runs. And he, he managed, you know, he, he kept the game within striking distance. He only had three earned runs in four innings. Um, so yeah, is it a great game? No, but is it a game that is good enough from Aaron Savali to put the Guardians in a position to win? I think yes, um, but the bullpen kind of failed him. So yeah, the bullpen did. Uh, the offense failed him too. Uh, to be fair, um, you know they didn't score any runs until the the sixth inning, and you know t- you know uh, two of them, you know. Uh, came in the seventh and eighth as well. So like they really weren't doing a whole bunch in, in this game. Um, you, you really didn't see any signs of life offensively at all. Um, Just couldn't put anything together again. And like we did have eight hits on the day, but that's like, it, that's a mirage because like <laughs> they didn't come in bunches, you know, they, they, they were scattered. Like we, we couldn't really put a good rally together. And to be honest, like the the three runs that we scored in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning, like Boston had won the game. You know, like th- those are runs that they're okay with giving up. Like it, those bullpen pitchers' approach, like at that stage of the game, is just like, okay, let's just just put the ball in play. Let them put the ball in play. If they mm-hmm. score a run or two, that's fine. Uh, and that's what they did. So yeah, like even even the the offensive production we did have late in the game wasn't all that you know wasn't all that potent. And it was of little consequence, you know. Exactly. At, at that point, we were down six to one. We were down, you know. So it was just like, okay, it was five nothing. Then it was six to one. So it was just like they they really weren't threatened by anything that they the Guardians were doing at that moment in time. And offensively, this is one of those games where you, you see the lineup come out and it's just like, uh, okay, this is the this is the classic uh, Tito versus the lefty pitcher lineup. Where anyone who's left-handed isn't in the game, pretty much. Um, Ernie Clement uh, was in the game. Uh, you know, leadoff Owen Miller. Very strange lineup overall. No Josh Naylor. 
this was a no Stephen Kwan. You said it before the game started. You said B team. Um, mm-hmm. That's what this was. This was a B team game. Um, eh, yeah, I don't know. It it feels like Tito overmanages a little bit um, in terms of matchup wise, and I I, I just was kind of confused with Owen Miller in the leadoff spot. That didn't make much sense to me either. I thought that the logical thing to do is either put Straw up there again because he's been there, done that, or you know move a guy like Rosario up for the day. Uh, but yeah, they put Owen Miller there, and uh, the lineup didn't do much of anything. So, I mean, that was kind of to be expected when we saw the lineup card uh, handed in before the game. It, it, it was, and it's just like, okay, uh, we're, we're, we're doing this. Uh, but but <laughs> for, for what it's worth, this maybe could be managing with the future in mind, considering the five games in four days against the Twins, considering uh, the pitchers that, you know they're they're scheduled to see they're they're seeing Sonny Gray again tonight, then Smeltzer yep. tomorrow, right. then you know they're going to be facing a lot of you know right-handed arms that they'll be able to you know take advantage of. Uh, yeah, you know, Smeltzer's a lefty, so but you get the, you get the idea. I mean, it could be a two two day starter. Uh, you know, Smeltzer's a lefty, but you know Josh Winder, who's pitching the second game, he's a righty. Yeah. I, I never felt like this game was like a game that we were trying to win. <laughs> this always felt like a game that Tito was just trying to get us through uh, mm-hmm. with guys healthy and fresh for a, for the most important part of the season to this date coming up against Minnesota. Um, so I think that that has a lot to do with it. So, yeah, a little bit critical of Tito in terms of, you know, having Miller in the leadoff spot and whatnot. But uh, I understand his approach for giving some of the guys rest that he didn't have in the lineup. Um, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, so it, it's it's basically looking at the big picture, and that's fine. Looking at the big picture is fine. That's what you have to do in baseball. There's a they play so yeah. many games, you have to sometimes manage with the future in mind. Uh, you know, ideally they put out the the A squad, and you know they they try and win that game. But uh, these five games against the Twins, in in regards to an uh, importance level, these ones yeah. are are much more important. Not just because of the volume, but it's because of the opponent. It's because we're where the standings sit as they they currently are, you know. Right. They're 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 only two games back of the Twins right now, and I, I, that can entirely change by the time this series is over. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I was just gonna say like I I, I agree. This is one hundred percent the right approach to have. Like you 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 need to get guys fresh and ready for that that series against Minnesota. Um, and poor Tully that was in there at the end of the game, like <laughs> that was just like, okay, kid, you, we, you're pitching the rest of this game. We don't care how many runs you give up. Like we need you to get through the rest of this game. Um, so he kind of got, I, I felt like it was a little bit unfair that he got those three earned runs and that three innings of work because he was just out there killing innings. That's all he was doing. Yeah. Innings. Um, but you're right. This was a big picture thing. Um, the, the effort, I, I'm sorry, the approach going into this game, it was all about the big picture. And, I mean, how exciting is it that here we are with this young Guardians team, we're saying that we're managing with big picture in mind. Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning of the year, we didn't think big picture was a thing we were going to say many times. No. And here we are saying it. So, yeah, like, as head-scratching as it may be and as frustrated as a lot of people were with Tito's approach this game, I, I, I like it. I like the thinking. I think that... Even if you would have put the A squad out there, Boston had 15 hits and scored eight runs. Mm-hmm. We, we we could have had 17 hits and scored seven runs mm-hmm. and still lost the game. Yeah. So really, this is not the worst. It's not the worst thing in the world that, that we took the approach we did this game. Yeah, so, you know, continuing to look big picture in mind, you know, they, they have these five games against the Twins. Then mm-hmm. the, the Yankees come to town. That's going to be a, a rough series, okay? Yeah. That's gonna be. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be rough. It's probably gonna be a very similar crowd to who was just here for the Boston series, which was a lot of Red Sox fans. We're gonna have a lot of Yankee fans. Okay, there was oh, a yeah. "Let's Go Red Sox" chant uh, coming out at the end of the game yesterday. Then everybody started booing. Okay, <laughs> uh, I expect that during this upcoming series uh, with the Yankees coming to town. Then after that, it's a nice four-game series with the Tigers. That's gonna be a nice palate cleanser after this just nightmare that they've been going through this you know this is a gauntlet this yeah this is the part of the year that we had circled that said like this is where we're going to find out what this team's made of and 
Like, yeah, we did just get swept by the Red Sox, but, you know, we did win two out of three against Minnesota, which was super important mm -hmm. um, because we get to go into this five-game series with a, with a lead, you know. Because we said before that first series with the Twins, you know, we have eight games coming up with them. If we could win five, that puts us, you know, that puts us ahead of them. And, yeah. and that's what we need to do. And right now we've played three and we've won two. So mm -hmm. I, I think that keep that same attitude. Try to win three out of five. Um, if you could win four, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I, I think that that's the approach is just try to get three of these games because there's a good chance you're not going to get – uh, a win or two against the Yankees coming up before that series with Detroit. Yeah, the, I, I, if the if the Yankees series plays out exactly at the Red Sox series, I would not be surprised. But uh, same that that Tigers series in Detroit is going to be a nice rebound. Yeah, uh, a nice rebound series. Another doubleheader series, by the way. Crazy. Uh, I'm just I'm looking ahead here. We have another doubleheader series in the middle of July against the the White Sox, where we play four in three days. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So you know. I know I'm going just a little bit, you know, far into the schedule, but I just wanted to, you know, mention, you know, just how things are shaping up looking forward so that, you know, it's at least mentioned here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's super important to know because it, it, it has a big effect on, mm -hmm. on, you know, the approach for the rest of the season. Yeah, and so, you know, moving forward, just kind of landscape, just kind of something yeah. to, to keep in mind. So you know. would you agree that uh, three out of five would be a, a, a big success for the Guardians? It'd be a big success. You know, uh, yeah. Meatloaf once said two out of three ain't bad. What's three out of five? <laughs> Pretty good? Five, I think that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the, the logic here is like, does it suck that we have to play five games in four days? Like, yeah, that sucks. And does it suck it's a divisional opponent who's actually playing better than anticipated? Yeah, that sucks, but... Uh, it, it, that's baseball, you know. If you want to be a playoff team, these are the the types of obstacles that every team faces throughout the year. You know, e even the best teams like the Yankees, you know, they've got parts of their schedule that they have circled that are like, man, this is going to be grueling. Um, so yeah, it's it's part of it, and uh, I, I think three out of five would be a big win. It would be a big win. And uh, two little uh, tidbits uh, here before we move to our trivia section here. All right. Sure. Uh, Today is the 20-year anniversary of Cleveland trading Bartolo Colon to the Expos for Ooh. Grady Sizemore, Brandon Phillips, Cliff Lee, and Lee Stevens. Good lord. What a trade, huh? That's got to be one of the all-time best trades. Uh, the, the the trade that Cleveland recently made to the to the Padres for Clevenger uh, is starting to look pretty damn good, too. Same with the Lindor trade to the Mets. Also looking really good. I was going to say, like, the, these past couple trades have really, really worked out nice for us. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully the, the, it continues to go that way. Because, uh, I, I mean, the Lindor thing, it really is starting to look like it's a success already. Like, mm -hmm. I know it's still kind of too early to tell, but uh, Jimenez has been just absolutely tremendous. Yes, he's been tremendous. He's He, he is a d certified dude. I'm giving him that distinction. Uh, he's certified dude. Okay. Uh, I agree. I think that we have two uh, we have two elite players on this team. I think Jose and, and Jimenez are, are the two elite guys offensively. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, those guys fall into that uh, elite category with some other guys trending in that direction. Uh, sure. you, you know, Josh Naylor, uh, yep. definitely. That dude's... He's good, and he's so much fun to watch. <laughs> a guy like Oscar Gonzalez, he can, mm -hmm. he can grow into being a player like that. Owen Miller? Owen Miller, absolutely. Um, and then, shit, even Ahmed Rosario, he's such a good average hitter. Like he, That two spot for him, man, he, he's like the perfect guy for that role right now. Mm -hmm. um, so just, yeah, there's there's a lot to be optimistic about in terms of this lineup. Um and, and I think it's not too early to say that Jimenez is definitely a stud uh, and that, that trade's looking good for now. It, it is. And uh, one last uh, news thing here. Um, David Blitzer is officially on board as minority investor as of today. I and saw that this Leading toward, towards his path of majority owner. So uh, those who are so tired of the Dolans... Uh, you know, I know that the the sale was finalized, but they've officially announced it, so it's it's for real now. Okay, yeah. 
So what do we think? Do we think that these guys are going to spend more money in the future? Well, now, because he's on board as uh, a minority investor, that's an influx of cash that they didn't have, which means right. that there's now financial resources for them to potentially reinvest as soon as, I don't know, uh, a month from now? I was going to say, I, I think that this is a team that is in striking distance. Uh, I, I don't think we're sellers. I think we're buyers right now in this market. So I think it's very good timing. Uh, and you're right. I would be very interested to see what happens uh, in the next month because uh, we feel like this team is a player away from you know being the best team in this division. Mm-hmm. And, okay, uh, I'll push you on the hot, spot, hot seat here. Okay. Sure. Choose one player... Forget the what the cost to get him is like, but realistic. Uh, one player you could trade for for this Guardians team for the rest of the year, or maybe beyond, depending on their contract. Hmm, that's a good question. You got any guys off the top of your head? I have one player in particular that Go I am, I am very much interested in, who is on a team that is underwhelming, but he's been earmarked as someone potentially in the trade market for about a year and a half, almost two years now. Uh, he would address a position of need of the Guardians that's been an offensive black hole all year long. Oh, I hope it's a catcher. It's Wilson Contreras. Boom, I love that. I, I was about to say, I, I was looking at catchers. I was just like looking at catchers' names across the league um, <laughs> because obviously that's the one position that I, I think that has been an offensive black hole. And uh, even... It, the thing with Hedgie, we knew he wasn't going to be good offensively, but we were sold this this bill of goods that he was this elite defensive catcher, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying he's bad. He's not a bad. He's he's definitely a good defensive catcher, but elite is really stretching it. Um, he has not shown us that he's that elite defender, mm-hmm. um, and if he's not going to be that guy, then you you know you got to move forward because he. You were relying on him being this lights-out defensive catcher, which he's not. Um, and, and you can't continue to march a guy out there that you know is going to hit under 200. Like, that's just – it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I absolutely love that one. Um, shit, any catcher in the market is going to be <laughs> an improvement offensively pretty much over uh, what we're getting out of Hedges. So, yeah, I, I think just go after any of these catchers that are good offensively um, and, and go from there. So that, that's where I'm at. You know, just give me a catcher. Maybe it's not someone as exciting as, as Wilson Contreras. But, you know, in a perfect world, they trade for him. They have money. They can sign into a contract extension. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I love I love Bo Naylor. I, you know, I have no idea what he's going to be, though. Yeah. It's, he's, it's still, he's still a little ways away. And at yeah. some point, you need to make a, a substantial upgrade somewhere. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be real, if you're gonna be a, you know a team that actually wants to matter. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think so too. The other thing I would say is maybe an outfield bat, like uh, just a, a guy that hits home runs, uh, either to put in left or right field. Yeah. Um, and that would be the main two areas that I would probably explore, uh, trying to find a trade for and adding a piece this year. Yeah, I mean. The, both of those areas, either one of those would be fantastic, honestly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, it's time for trivia. Let's do it. Okay. Would you like to go first this time, or would you like me to go first this time? I think I went first last time, so uh, go ahead. Okay. Who is the only player to play for all four original expansion franchises and only those franchises? Oh. Okay. So the four expansion franchises, we're talking like Rockies, Diamondbacks. Oh, no, no, no. Original expansion oh, franchises. Oh, oh, original expansion. Okay. So what were the original four expansion teams? Uh, the original four expansion teams were the Angels, Rangers, Mets, and Astros. Okay. Angels, Rangers, Mets, and Astros. Yes. The only player to play for all four teams and only those four teams. Yeah. Hmm. We have a decade. It's the sixties. The sixties, okay, okay. Angels is when Rangers. is when those is when those teams uh, 
existed. Let me double check on his career. He started playing in the 60s. Yeah. Hmm. I'm feeling a pitcher. Is it a pitcher? It is a pitcher. Okay. Gosh. I'm going to sound so dumb. I don't I don't know when Ryan started pitching. It wasn't that soon, was it? It's not Nolan Ryan, is it? It's Nolan Ryan. No shit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Okay. Nolan Ryan, that's so uh, – I knew he played for all those teams, but I thought there were more. That's the only reason I was so hesitant on that was I yeah. thought he played for, for more than four teams. But, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, he so made, his, uh, made his MLB debut at the age of 19 in 1966 for the New York Mets. See, I, I thought he started – it might have been like early 70s. That's where I was hesitant to. So, everybody, yeah, Ryan. Everybody forgets the Nolan Ryan Mets era, okay, or the Mets part of his career. Because when you see right. Nolan Ryan highlights, it's always Angels, Astros, or Rangers. It's never Mets. Never. You're right about that. Yeah, that that was the one team I honestly wasn't even sure about. I, I, it was hard remembering him in a Mets uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, nice. That was a good trivia question. Um, so I went with, in light of uh, the recent combined no-hitter thrown against the Yankees. Okay. Uh, but, so... Obviously, we know that that was the uh, the Astros recently did that against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So, real simple trivia today. I want from you what team has thrown the most no hitters of all time? No hitters, period, whether combined or single. And I want the the leader, major league leader, and then the leader from the other league. Okay. So, who's your guess for all-time most no-hitters as a franchise? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just guess Yankees. That is incorrect. See, I was only thinking that because they've been so good for so long. That's that's part of it, yeah. Yeah. You're on the right – you're thinking along the right lines. And I will add this to – only current teams. So any team that is no longer around, we're not. Oh, going. oh so it's um, the answer is not going to be uh, the Seattle Pilots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it, uh, the the teams are currently still franchises in Major League Baseball. Okay. Um, so I'll give you a hint. The the all time leaders a National League team. Oh man. Dodgers. It's that easy. It's the Dodgers. Yeah. I thought this one was going to be one that was like too easy. Um, okay, so do you know the uh, American League then? And I, it's not the Yankees. I'm going to give you that. Hey, hey, okay, not the Yankees. Um, not the Yankees. This one I think is going to surprise you. Tigers. You're close. You're very close. It is not the Tigers. And while you're doing that, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have 26 no-hitters pitched. Uh, that's the most of all time. This team, the American League team, has 20. So they are six back with 20. Uh, White Sox? There you go. Okay. The Chicago White Sox. Um, the White Sox is tough because they haven't had uh, – or I'm sorry. No, they did have one in, in 2021. They haven't had one against them since 2011. Um, but, yeah, the Dodgers, that's that's kind of easy. They've had so many great pitchers throughout mm-hmm. the years. So, um, But, yeah, Yankees – is shockingly low. They only have twelve, only. But yeah, yeah. Uh, only. Yeah. You look at some of the other franchises that have one. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I, this was a this was the part of the trivia that really interested me. The Dodgers part, like yeah, yeah, that's kind of to be expected. But the fact that the White Sox have twenty no hitters, that is pretty shocking to me. Uh, the Yankees have twelve. So well, eight back. Let's look at when the White Sox no-hitters happened, okay? Did this happen in, like, 1920, like a whole bunch of those? Let's see. Chicago White Sox no-hitters. 02, 05, 08, 11, 14, 17, 22, 26, 35, 37, 57, 67, 76, 86, 91. So, yeah, all, 15 of those no-hitters came before 1991. Okay. So that's the part where I was like, trying to figure out when the last one was by them. They did have the one in 2021, and they had one in 2020. But before that, uh, eight-year gap. They didn't have any from 2012 to two, 2020. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they, you look at, at certain uh, other teams, uh, like Cleveland, who hasn't had one since 1981. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's like it, we forget sometimes how difficult it really is to throw a no-hitter. Like, the perfect game, everybody knows. Like, we're always all in on that. Like, you throw a perfect game, that's just insane. But sometimes we see these combined no-hitters, and I think we take them for granted a little bit. Yeah. Because uh... that's that's not that many, you know. To, to think that the New York Yankees, with all of their history, have only had 12 is it kind of remarkable to me. It is, and I think a lot of uh, potential no-hitters by the Yankees, you know, at, let's say, Yankee Stadium, get broken up by a short home run to right field. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep, so it, many times. You know, I was just going, when I, when, I, when I picked Yankees, it was just basically, they've been a really good team for a really long time. They've been around for a long time. So I'm just like, hey. Yep. It's, the, it's the first logical choice. That's uh, that's where I knew. Like I, I knew if you weren't gonna go Dodgers, you were gonna go Yankees. I was mm-hmm. hoping that that happened, and it did. Um, but yeah, I, I just I found that really shocking to me that in their enormous history of success, they only have twelve. So interesting fact. Very interesting, and you know we're gonna, we're gonna close things out with that interesting fact. Uh, reminder: this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe. Rate five stars. Tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser. Tune in, and this is BelieveOne.com. And with that, just a little go Guardians. Go Guardians and fuck that Twins owner. <laughs>